Hey dear ones, it's Dr. Shelley. So I mentioned a while back that I started a new online school. Basically my travel schedule, as you know, uh, kind of got canceled this year. And so I converted a lot of my classes to the online format. And I have to tell you, this has been a complete joy and a complete blast. You can come on over and check the school out at healingarts.thinkific.com. And there you will find certification programs in Egyptian energy healing, my new Pythagorean healing series, and so much more with new courses being added all the time. And when you take one of my energy healing certification courses, you are invited to come on over to Zoom and join me personally for ongoing Zoom calls. And we have been having a complete blast. We've sent healing light out to people, out to animals, situations, the world, and everything in between. It's a great community, and I want you to join us. So check it out at healingarts.thinkific.com, and I'll look forward to welcoming you to a class very soon. The Healing Arts Program is not intended as a substitute for consultation with a licensed medical or mental health professional. The listener should regularly consult a physician or mental health professional in matters relating to his or her health, and particularly with respect to any symptoms that may require diagnosis or medical attention. This program provides content related to educational, medical, and psychological topics. As such, listening to the program implies your acceptance of this disclaimer. Welcome to Healing Arts. I'm your host, Dr. Shelley Kerr. One of my all-time favorite books is Sacred Contracts by Carolyn Mace. And so back in the early days of my career, I had the honor to interview her for my radio show. And so as a bonus episode, dear friend, enjoy my interview with Carolyn Mace. Tonight, I'm thrilled to welcome my very special guest, Carolyn Mace. Carolyn is one of the pioneers of mind-body medicine. Her books, Anatomy of the Spirit, Why People Don't Heal and How They Can, and Sacred Contracts have been three consecutive New York Times bestsellers. She's currently at work on a new book about the sacred contract of the United States, which I hope to talk to her about tonight. Carolyn will be in Dallas on Wednesday, February 5th at 7 p.m. at Borders at 10720 Preston Road in Dallas to sign sacred contracts. And you can visit Carolyn online at mace.com. Carolyn, welcome to Beyond Reality. Thank you. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Great. I have to start out tonight by just telling you a short story. Several years ago, I had been very ill, and someone came up to me and said, do you realize that you're causing that? And at the time, I was extremely incensed because I wasn't really into, I didn't know about responsibility, if you know what I mean. Oh, yeah. And then I was wandering through the bookstore, and uh, I happened to pick up a tape called Why People Don't Heal and How They Can. And I listened to that. I used to listen to it when I was in the hospital. 
And I just want to say, I just want to have this opportunity to just to thank you for that work because it was the first time that I heard the message that, yes, I was responsible. And in addition to that, I can choose to heal and change those things. And I just really appreciate it. Well, thank you for that, Chili. Thank you very much. And and may I add a little comment on that? Yes. And that's that the I think that the word responsibility, when it's used in that capacity, um, I just I always like to soften it just a bit because we have such a punitive understanding of it. Like who did this, and you're responsible, and you're being punished. But responsibility in terms of an illness is not so much causal in the sense that you bad person, you know, you right. created this. And I think I, I like to take a, a, a very strong position on that because I, I believe that we have a responsibility to engage contact with our illness. In other words, we can't be passive about it. Passive people don't heal. They get drugged. Right. But when you say that you caused an illness, um, you got to be really careful in terms of what you mean by that because so many people think, what have I done bad to do this? And actually, a lot of times, illness is your greatest teacher, and it comes as a blessing. Exactly. And it sounds to me that you used your challenge in exactly that way. And that's what it means to engage, you know, responsibly with what's going on in your body. So... Right. A lot of people don't understand that, though. And the first person who brought that to my attention was very like, you caused this. And, and I did that very thing that you were talking about. I thought, oh, my God, what have I done? Yeah, you know, no, that I'm so protective of people who uh, become ill because I, you know, that attitude that we cause our illness, we can heal anything was very much a product of the beginning of what we might think of as the holistic medicine era. When we, when we got the idea in our minds that we create everything, therefore we can uncreate it or we can create health or whatever. And, I, and we greatly exaggerated what we were capable of while being inspired by what we could be capable of. Right. And in, and in the process, I think that in our enthusiasm, when you say that you can create health, I, I think that we're very naive and that it also means that sometimes health is to die healthy, meaning that, let's face it, none of us is going to leave this planet with our body. <laughs> At least not yet. That's right. They haven't and, figured it out. And, well, do we even want to? No. I, I don't think this <laughs> for another vessel. Yeah. No, we don't. You know, it's, it's, we're more complex. That's what interested me when I wrote Why People Don't Heal is the fact that I think we're capable of so much more management, but we have not yet fully understood the laws of alchemy that need to be maintained within the body, like like the the need to keep your attention in present time and to clip energetic attachments to the past that are simply costing you your life force. Right, and you mention a lot of that I listen to your tape, Sacred Contract Tapes, all the time. I think you've been on all of my vacations this year. Where have we gone? Do I have any frequent flyer miles to show for? Well, it's been in the car, you know, so <laughs> we've racked up a lot of mileage. But you talk about um, that very thing, about being present. You ask everybody, please be present. And if you find your mind wandering, please come back to it. And you yep. point out that we're just never even present in our own lives. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, that's a problem. (laughs) Absolutely. It certainly is. It is such a problem. And, you know, that's the whole journey of what does it mean to be aware. Aware means where are you? Where are you other than here? Is your mind in the past? If your mind's in the past, your spirit's there. If you're wandering in the future, and I find that one of the greatest challenges people face is to live their lives now. They're either planning or fretting about the future, regretting about the past, but they're not here now. They talk about the future. Ask somebody what their age is, and they'll say, I'm going to be. Hey, you're right. And, and Which means, are you 40 or not? Because what are you now? I asked you what you were now, but I'm going to be 41. Or I'll talk to people about what they do, but I know I am born for something better. Well, what is it you're doing now? Today, today is something better. Why are you not appreciating today? Because, I, you know, there is a very, um, which, by the way, this is sort of lapping into the subject of sacred contracts and people's idea of, you know, what contracts have I been born to fulfill? And they don't, very few people say to me, and I am fulfilling this contract right now. They always want to know, well, where are those contracts? Right, what am I supposed to do? do you think you've been the last 50 years? Take a look at the things you've done in your life, the things you've had to do, the things that you don't want to do but have to do, the things that have come to you, all of these are contracts. You don't have one, and in spite of how much Western people would like it to be a job, exactly use all of your sacred contracts to just give me my occupation because then I know I will always have money and I won't have to worry because if I'm doing the thing God wants me to do, then I know I'll be happy and I'll just be so happy and I'll always have money and I'll be able to take five days off a week so I can go process my spirit somewhere. <laughs> and the point is that we are not our job. Right. I mean, the, the you know, Shelley, people have paths of service, and they take many, many forms. And your contracts play out at multiple levels. You're, there are contracts that serve your ego, and there are contracts that serve your soul. And right. the, the ego looks for certain types of contracts, and this is not a slam against the human ego, for God's sake. I mean, there are, you know, nature puts things in our lives as they should be, and the human ego is a good instrument. And we need to um, have a role in the physical world. That is a good thing. But the role in the physical world serves, is in service to our spiritual world. It is not the other way around. And our role in the physical world should not, just be defined by occupation. That is an aspect. And the Western mind has a profile of God, an idea of God, that is very product-oriented. Unless I am showing a, uh, some kind of profit, God's not answering my cause. Right. I either have to make money, have stuff, protect my stuff, more stuff, where is my stuff, and that's how I know and measure God. Right. I had a, a kick a few years ago where I decided to sell everything I own. Yeah. And it really was an interesting part of my journey because when then... You were sick? What? Did you do that when you were sick? It was after I got well. Mm-hmm. I said, I need to get rid of everything I own. And I said, hey, whoa. I mean, I felt almost like I was running around naked in a crowd of a thousand people, you know, because you, you hide behind your stuff. Mm-hmm. 
and then suddenly you, you just you go BMW, right? What? Who are you if you're not your BMW? Exactly, or my house, or you know whatever else I have. It's ridiculous. And but then once you get used to not having that, you realize, my gosh, I was never that. It's just all an illusion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. so it's very interesting. Absolutely. And you're right about. I think the Western culture totally programs us to identify ourselves with our career, particularly, I think, males. And I think that's why when they get laid off, they get so devastated because it's like they don't know who they are. Well, I think, you know, I think that having our greatest fears in life have to do with survival. Right. Okay. That determines, that's where we meet our shadow in terms of our fear of being in this world, of surviving in this world. And so the first place we want to meet God is in terms of, will God help me survive? Right. And so the first God we encounter is the God of survival and the face that God shows us in the physical world. The second God we meet is the God of the internal world, which is the God of my interior space, the God of my spirit, the God that says, maybe I don't need all this stuff to survive because I've just been ill and discovered that my BMW is no medicine for my body. Which is to say, it's it's not a bad thing to have stuff. Stuff is not evil. Money is not evil. But if one thinks that that is the nature of their God, then it becomes a serious crisis. But the first level that we meet heaven on is the physical world. Then we work from there. Right. But, you know, the way the heavens are, they'll always turn us upside down in the physical world. That's yep. the way the gods work. They love to turn us upside down. Oh, and don't they ever. Yep. We'll be right back with Carolyn Mace on Beyond Reality. Visit Carolyn on the web at mace.com, M-Y-S-S.com. We'll be right back. I'm back with Carolyn Mace. So, Carolyn, define sacred contract. A sacred contract is the agreement to um, agreements that we make prior to incarnation that, or we can also think of it as assignments we have been directed to enact on the physical plane. And these assignments, these agreements, are the glue that hold your life path together. Your life is not random. It is well-ordered, well-constructed. It is built one opportunity upon another. Do you have free will or choice, or what's the scheme here if you have contracts, which is a question I'm often asked when I introduce the subject. And And a contract is an opportunity, a promised opportunity. Uh, And it has with it um, choice, because I can say, I will meet you on the corner of State and Wabash, but what we do when we get there is up to us. Whether we embrace each other or whether we meet each other in anger, that's up to us. Mm -hmm. What's promised is we will meet each other. Right. Now, you talk a lot about animation, and what does that mean, and how should we interpret that? Uh, animation is what I think of as the life force. And 
the life force is your energy system. Your prana is another word for it. And animation is one example that we can give to your listeners is to think about how you feel about someone you love. And that's an animation. There's a passion there. And in the same way, you feel a shadow animation when you think about someone you don't love who disempowers (laughs) you. People whose approval you desperately need, that's a shadow animation. Now, when you, if you look at something that you have absolutely no interest in, someone says, did you happen to notice that, that piece of furniture or did you happen to notice that person over there? And you say, no, not at all. That's what it feels to have no animation whatsoever. So it's a connection of the life force to a person or to an attitude or to a belief system or to a memory. You animate a number of things. And and if you think, if I said to you, say, do you believe that throwing salt over your shoulder is good luck like some of my friends actually do? For me, that is ridiculous. That is absolutely ridiculous. So that's a superstition that is not animated for me. Right. For my friends, that is a superstition that's very animated for them, and they, they're very uncomfortable unless they get their hands on a salt shaker. <laughs> but, I mean, as, as ridiculous as that sounds, Shelley, I, I can dig up in you at least five superstitions that you animate. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> Probably more than that. People, you know, I, how many people we run into in our, in our world now that wear crystals and baubles and bangles and beads that they've animated. This has power. What kind of power? To protect you. Protect you from what? They turn it into a protection amulet, a, a uh, amethyst crystal, rose quartz, this, that. They all animate these objects, and they give them an energy field because they're convinced that in return that object will protect their enemy, uh, uh, energy field uh, with a certain vibration animation. I just want you to know you're on track because I wrote a book called Gemstone Journeys and I teach crystal healing classes. (laughs) So I just want to let you know you're good. And (laughs) the thing is, in the book, I conclude, is this for real or is this not? I mean, if I told you the stone was going to protect you and, you know, you'd never get sick again and you focus your intent on that, then you create it. But then there is, you know, a part of that that is part of the vibrational universe. I think it's a combination of the two. But certainly we get what we think about. So I think you're absolutely right on that. Well, I'll tell you uh, that I I think that that's actually uh, a a, a topic that's worth pursuing because the idea is, can a stone protect you? The idea is no. Vibration does via the stone as a vessel. Right. Okay. Okay. you know, so anyway. So I want to talk about something you mentioned just a minute ago that is fascinating to me that about destiny and choice and how our choice plays into things that we're, we are or are not destined to do. And I was wondering if you could talk about that. To, to, to um, like to destiny and see how things play out with destiny? Yeah, do we have things that we're destined to do and then how choice plays into that? Absolutely. We do have things we're destined to do. That is absolutely a given. I mean, and you know, turn around and see some of the... Let's look at life like this. Some people are bottles of perfume 
and some people are bottles of cologne. And perfume people um, have have uh, absolute destinies. They have to do what they have to do, and they are truly locked in, like a Gandhi, like Nelson Mandela, like a Mother Teresa. Could they have chosen to be something else? I don't think so. I really think these are souls who said, I'll take on that specific task. Helen Keller, I'll take on that specific, Albert Einstein, that exact task. And other people have tasks that I believe have more options to them. I think that most people have lives, and the gods work more like this. They'll say, we want you to learn Spanish in this lifetime, for example, to just use an example. And the gods can say, and you have any number of ways you can learn it. That's up to you. You can go to university. You can just go go live in a Spanish country. You can do this, that, or the other. But your job is to master the Spanish language. So this person is still on track in that they have a major assignment, but they have far more options. And I think that that is, that is the way the life of a lesser soul, a lesser evolved soul, I believe has more options than an evolved soul who has merely the one clear task. Wow. Does that help you? Yes, that does. We're talking to Carolyn Mace. I'll be right back. You can visit Carolyn online, mace.com. We're back, and I'm talking to Carolyn Mace. Carolyn, you spent most of your initial career giving readings as a medical intuitive, and then you crossed over into reading the archetypes. And I was just wondering if you could talk about how you made that transition. Well, I, you know, when like any other research, Shelley, you you start looking for more and more sophisticated causes for the nature of, for, for, the, for the, uh, the way life is, the way people are. And, you know, I went from wondering why people became ill to losing all interest in that, quite frankly, <laughs> and looking far more at the questions people ask in life that are major, mm-hmm. soul-turning, incredible, passionate, and have more authority over how you feel about yourself and your life than anything else. In other words, I I decided to go to the core, to the engine, rather than the caboose on the train. Right. And from that, I I took a look at why people uh, have archetypal patterns. So I decided to take a look at the archetypal patterns, because they seem to point far more to your soul's um, coordinates. Mm -hmm. And from there, the rest of your body spins and the rest of your life spins. I mean, if I said, you know, where do you begin? What's the most significant data that I could have about you? It's truly not what's in your cell tissue. It's what's in your cell memory. But even more than that, Shelley, it's what's in your soul patterns. Because they tell me what the nature of your struggles are. And that's the significant part of you. 
And if you said, well, I need to heal something, and I said, well, let's talk about the origin of your struggle, not your positive or negative. And by looking at your archetypes, you can get rid of the language of positive, negative, good or bad. And what remains is what's the journey of integration that you're working through with this archetype. Right. And so that's the pattern that I took. took uh, that's the approach that I took. Now, you mentioned that all of us share four common archetypes, the victim, the saboteur, the child, and the prostitute. That's correct. So what are some of the most common other archetypes that you see out there? Well, the, you know, in our world, one of the more common archetypes is the healer. The healer archetype is, is something because so many people are into uh, wanting to be of service. Mm-hmm. And that path of service is extremely important to them, and a lot of people choose the path of service as a healer. But another archetype that you see so strongly in people is the rescuer. Let me help you, let me help you, let me help you. And, <laughs> you know, and it gets yes. people in a lot of trouble because they think that jumping in and helping and making you feel better and maybe not hurting is a way of healing you, and they don't understand the rescuer, but that is a very common one. And here's another one, the vampire. The psychic vampire is a very prevalent archetype, very, very prevalent. People who feel that they have um, what you might think of as psychically needy personalities. Complainers are great psychic vampires. Mm -hmm. For example, people who drain and are terribly frightened of taking responsibility for their own life. Right. I, I have Does to say... Does that help you? Yes, because um, in your book, Sacred Contracts, I want people to know about the process in there that's so powerful. You read the book, and then you go through the process of selecting the archetypes that you feel resonate to you, and then putting them and aligning them with the, the wheel of the Zodiac. And I did that process, and it really puts uh, quite a mirror <laughs> up to your face about certain aspects of yourself. And I had to realize that, yes, I have a vampire archetype. And I had never thought about that before, but I used to read the Vampire Chronicles, and I used to have a little hologram of a vampire that I hung on my wall, and then I would wonder, gee, why are these people sucking the life out of me? Hmm, you know. Yeah, and so, but, I mean, here's the, big, here's the big question. Do you do that to them? <gasps> I don't know. See, now that's the bigger question. Right. Is, you know, do you return the compliment? I mean, do you, do we recognize when we are in that psychic vampire mode and that is a real, and I'll tell you something interesting. The reason this archetype is so intrigues me is because so many people are in active pursuit of their psyche, of their intuitive skills, of developing their inner world. Mm-hmm. And when I say psychic vampire, we're, we're far more sensitive than we were before. We're far more attuned to each other's, quote, energy fields. And there was a time when that was not the case. Right. And so when you think of a psychic vampire, I'm talking about the susceptibility you have to people with whom you have unfinished business. Yes. And that is a psychic vampire bond. Yes. I've got a lot of that stuff going on. Not as much as I used to, but yeah, definitely. So what do you think causes us now to be more sensitive to each other's energy? Do you think it's a planetary thing, or do you think it's just... No, 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 no. I, I, well, it depends. I mean, is it, you could say is it an astrological thing in that 
there's a difference in the ages. We are, you know, every that that song that was so famous years ago, the age of Aquarius. But there is an astrological shift taking place, and but I don't wish to put it in that language. I think it's it's um, better said when you look at this phenomenal shift that has that has moved through our culture in the last 50 years that I would attribute to like a psychic download. An idea came into our world that really did not have momentum or any credibility previous to the last 50 years, and that idea is that we create our own reality. That idea did not exist in the 1930s or 1940s. Nobody questioned the so-called creation or integration of reality as we do now. Mm-hmm. And with that idea coming in, it reshaped everything. It gave voice to the idea. It redefined choice and the power of choice. If I create my own reality, although you don't really, you you have a great deal more influence over your reality than you ever thought about, such as my negative attitudes actually really do affect my biology. So I have to upgrade the power of my of um, my thoughts. I have to upgrade my definition of what has power and consequence. Mm-hmm. And because of that, it's made us more attuned to the world of the psyche and the spirit. So we've gone from being very much involved in religion or the group experience to moving down and engaging in the personal spiritual journey. And then that unlocks the spirit. And suddenly the maintenance of your own, what coming to get developing a resonance with following your passion, following your spirit. There was a time when all you followed was family tradition. Right. So there is a real shift in where we leave, uh, where we live, and where we lead our um, lives and how we direct our choices. So that makes you more psychically sensitive because the fact is you think and you perceive differently. Right. Now we've got just a minute left, and I wanted to talk to you briefly about some of the things that are going on in the world. Briefly about the world. Briefly Go for it, baby. <laughs> so, how fast can you talk about it? No. What would you like? How would you like to pursue that? Like archetypally, which angle would you like? Yes, archetypally. What do well, you think the archetypes? Well, the the idea of a jihad is an archetype. A holy war is an archetype. Okay, it's not just a physical. Um, expression of the shadow side of Islam. And even from, if I was Islamic, I wouldn't consider it a shadow. I would be looking at Americans who represent the shadow. Okay, so shadow's a relative term. Mm-hmm. You can't, you, you have to upgrade and, re- and take a look at holy war as a global phenomenon and realize that if you look at the New Age culture, and you really reviewed what we've written, what we've said, how we see things, you'll see that we've been bracing for a, quote, holy war for a very long time. Right. A spiritual transformation, a different age of awareness. We've been bracing for this for a very long time. 
Did we know what shape it would take? No. Did we expect this? No. But are we looking at something that has a potential of, of generating profound spiritual crises to the extent that we question back to the core of the morality of our spirit, back to the core of are we living lives based on the right profile of values? Where are we? And if you look at the two sides of the nature of the United States and the nature of the Arab world, the Arab world is a, the Arab nations are nations that are fundamentally tribal. And tribal, the, the tribal archetype is the carrier of wisdom and the carrier of earth values and the carrier of a love of, of the earth and of the maintenance of the earth and of earth traditions and of history. The tribal energy is, is beautiful. On our side, in the American psyche, the nature of the spirit of this nation is one of individuality, where the country was born out of cutting all strings from their tribes. Mm-hmm. So you have a nation here whose fundamental charism or fundamental vision is one of leave the tribes behind and pioneer and be visionaries. The tribe says visionaries are very dangerous to the maintenance of the tribe unless it's very carefully enacted. So now we've reached a point where both sides are are truly in shadow in that the tribe, the shadow side of the tribe, is that they are carriers of vengeance and carriers of resentment and unable to blend blood for blood. They're unable, they hold history and they also hold the shadow history and there is no way to advance past that. The shadow side of us, the individual, is that we have a motto that says business is business, me first, and the hell if we take down nature, the ecology, if it makes a profit, it's okay to destroy the earth. Mm -hmm. So we are at shadow odds with the whole, the polarities of creation itself the polarity of the individual psyche, the individual soul, is in polar opposite to the collective. And we've reached a point where the shadow side of each is fully and totally destructive. The shadow side of the individual has become the most destructive element and you see it in, in, in tiny little things like what six individuals decided to do at Enron that destroyed the lives of millions of people. Right. What a couple of handfuls of individuals have done to wipe out entire species, gorillas, butterflies, you name it. It doesn't matter so long as their profit is in their individual pockets. And the other side of the tribe, its shadow, is that it passes on to its children Before they're five years old, they have a list of who they are obliged to hate. So this level of shadow has reached a peak that is making it impossible to proceed with what the earth has to do, which is to integrate itself and to become a planetary community, like it or not. 
And the reason, the challenge, is that in order to merge globalization, to think in terms of the equality, to even, shall we say, engage in letting go of the past and in forgiveness, not that I believe that's possible, but what, I be, but what we have to look at is why is it not possible? And what it amounts to, which is the horror of horrors, is that there is absolutely no financial benefit to forgiveness in the politics of this planet. Wow. And that when you look at this thing called jihad, you have to understand that it's a global illness we're dealing with that has many manifestations within the pol- politics of its individual individual nations. And this is an archetypal perspective. And for a lot of people, they could become very well-armed mentally to say, are you saying the United States deserved to have this horrible thing happen? And I didn't say that at all. That is the caboose on the train. That is a manifestation of the toxicity of the global spirit. Wow. Does that help? That helps. Carolyn, thank you so much for being here. You got it. You can see Carolyn in Dallas live on Wednesday, February 5th at 7 o'clock at Borders on Preston Road. To sign sacred contracts, visit her online at mace.com. Tonight's show was sponsored by the Silva Method classes. February 1st and 2nd, you can call Pam, a Silva trainer, for more information, 817-329-9192. Also, the Spiritual Fitness Center. Spiritual Fitness Center at 1213 East Executive Drive in Richardson is just off of Arapahoe, east of 75. You can see them online at spiritualfitnesscenter.net for a complete list of classes and events that they have this week, or you can call them at 214-332-0220. Tomorrow, Sunday, check out the Sunday service at the Ananda Center of Dallas, which is located just off Keller Springs in the Tollway at 4901 Keller Springs, Suite 103. The service is at 10 o'clock. You can visit Ananda online at anandadallas.org. Wednesday night, this Wednesday, again, my gem and crystal healing class, 7 to 9 p.m. For only $40, you get a copy of the new book, Gemstone Journeys, a bag of healing stones, and two hours of instruction on the ancient art of laying on of stones. It is a lot of fun. For information and to reserve a space for these classes, call 469-556-4325. Thursday night, I'm going to teach Reiki Level 1. $100 gets you certified as a Reiki Level 1 healer. Again, call me, 469-556-4325. The classes are in Louisville. Ongoing, there are awesome yoga and meditation courses offered through the Ananda Center of Dallas. For their full schedule, you can go to their website at anandadallas.org. Also in March, I'm going to be appearing on a psychic cruise, March 15th through the 22nd. We're going to sail the Caribbean, and you will get to take advantage of tons of free workshops and psychic events. It's going to be a blast. The prices right now are drastically reduced for the cruise. Last time I saw it was only like $1,000 a week. It was a real deal for all the classes, 
all of your food, and we're going to be going off into great ports and everything, you can call this place called the Cruise Center at 800-592-9772 and tell them Dr. Shelley sent you and they'll give you an extra discount. You're not. Take a free health evaluation to find out. My Health Store's online survey is a technological breakthrough. It provides a unique way to identify nutritional deficiencies. Correct deficiencies and symptoms can disappear. Find out if whole food supplements are right for you. Take the symptom survey today. Register at www.myhealthstore.com. And if you use the password BEYOND at the bottom of the form... The evaluation cost is on us. Store.com earlier in the show, they offer unique whole food supplements and herbal concentrates designed to heal and regenerate cells, tissues, and organs. Visit MyHealthStore.com and check out the latest research on natural healing. Let the experts suggest products that really work. I did, and I have more energy and feel better than ever. And remember, use the word BEYOND on the registration form, and the evaluation cost is on us. MyHealthStore.com, a better way to take care of your well-being. And you can also see MyHealthStore.com on my website at BeyondRealityShow.com. A couple of weeks ago, I had a phenomenally talented psychic, Susan Henson, on the show, and she is available for readings right now. This woman actually goes into trance, similar to Edgar Casey, and is actually endorsed by the Association for Research Enlightenment, which is the Edgar Casey Foundation. You can visit Susan online at windspiritjourneys.com. Or you can call her at 972-633-8495. Susan does uh, spiritual retreats, and she's going to be doing some work with me later in the year. So check out windspiritjourneys.com and call Susan today for one of the best readings you're going to ever have in your entire life. Do it right now. Have you heard of the QXCI? This fantastic new device can detect and reduce or remove stress and stress-related illnesses. You know how harmful stress can be, but did you know that it's caused by many factors like toxicity, trauma, allergies, pathogens, worry, negative relationships, and a host of other things we must deal with every day? You may not even realize that the damage stress could be doing right now, or that stress may even be the cause of your symptoms of ill health. Biofeedback technology uses the latest innovation, the QXCI, to dissolve stress and create an easy flow of energy. You can't imagine what just one session with the QXCI will do for you. Call 800-293-9680 for more information and mention that you heard it on Beyond Reality and receive a 30% discount. 800-293-9680.
We'll be right back. Hey, my friend, have you known your pet in a past life? Well, believe it or not, a lot of people have. You can check out case histories and find out more about your connections to your little fuzzballs in my book, Past Lives with Pets. Check it out and find out today. Welcome back to Healing Arts. I'm Dr. Shelley Kerr. Visit me online at www.pastlifelady.com. All right. So I hope you loved that interview. I think a lot of that information is still incredibly timely. So what I can't get over is the fact that that was actually recorded in a radio station And then you look at Anchor and these other platforms. I mean, you know I love Anchor. I love me some Anchor. Um, It's just blowing my mind the level of quality that we can make these days compared to what could have even been done in the past. Amazing. And so I'm looking forward to uh, continuing our friendship and our journey together in the next season of healing arts. So thank you so much for listening. God bless and take care and I'll see you very, very soon. Hey friends, I want you to check out my Past Life Lady YouTube channel that has tons of free videos that teach you how to do all kinds of things from energy healing, gem and mineral healing. I've got guided imagery up there for you. So check it out. Just go over to YouTube and type the words past life lady in the search bar and hit subscribe. And I'll look forward to welcoming you over to my channel today. Mm -hmm.